Hi, this is Ellis Marcellus, and you're listening to Victor Goins, Trisha Butte, Maggie Kerner, Idris Mohammed, Carolyn Raleigh, Bradford Marcellus. Coming to you from the studios at WWOZ FM, this is a WWOZ podcast. Yeah, you're right. 90.7 FM WWOZ, and we just heard the fantastic new CD from uh, Henry Butler and Stephen Bernstein called uh, Viper Drag, and I'm thrilled to have uh, Stephen Bernstein uh, in the house. Welcome to WWOZ, sir. Thank you, sir. My first time on WWOZ radio, so I'm pretty excited. Is it really? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, talk a little closer to the mic. Okay, how about that? Is that better? Yes, and and, and by, let me just give a, a, by way of introduction, let me just give a please, uh, a brief rundown and jump in with any corrections. Uh, you, 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 you play in the uh, sex mode lounge. Sex mob. Sex, sex mob. Yeah, no, I, I, play, I am sex mob. The other guys play in sex mob. I'm the boss. You are sex mob. Yeah. Spanish fly. Yeah. That, okay. Yeah. Lounge lizards. That band, uh, I wasn't that band. That band hasn't been together for many years, but yeah, I was in okay. that band for 10 years. Millennial Territory Orchestra. That's me. And you've played with uh, Woody Allen. Well, I I, okay. I arranged music. Uh, I arranged a song. Well, you for worked. One. You worked I worked with, 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 with Woody Allen. Let's okay. Say, yeah, yeah. Aretha Franklin. I did work with Aretha Franklin. Yes. Sting. Yes, I worked Ooh. right here in New Orleans, actually, for like a, a pre-Super Bowl party. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. Linda Ronstadt, Lou yeah. Reed. Yeah. Levon Helm. Well, eight years, a couple times here in New Orleans, also with Lou. Yeah, with a Levon. Yeah. Hot down. Uh, 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 Roswell Rudd. Absolutely. Sam Rivers. Oh yeah. Doug uh, Byram. Don Byron. Don Don Byron. Don Byron. Yeah, and that's what I had written down here. Oh, yeah, it's good handwriting. I don't, <laughs> I, don't, I don't have my glasses on. So, so, all right, but we're here to talk about this great CD you just did with uh, Henry Butler, and it's been uh, number one on CMJ for five weeks now. That's right. Okay. Tell me how the CD came about, please. Well, Henry and I have known each other for about 20 years, uh-huh. and uh, though I've known his music, I was um, actually a stone-cold Henry Butler fan. I right. first heard him when I was quite a young man, and... Um, had all his records. Met him about 20 years ago. We did a tour together. Uh, Verve had put together this big tour across the country. We didn't make it to New Orleans. Uh, the band, we, it was uh, this band from uh, the Robert Altman movie, Kansas City, that uh, okay. I had done the arranging for. So it was that band, the all-star band, the Kansas City All-Stars, Joe Henderson, and uh, Trio, Charlie Hayden Quartet. Now, in this band were many great New Orleans musicians. Nicholas Payton was there. Um... Uh, Jesse Davis was playing alto. Mark Whitfield, who lived here for a while, was playing guitar. And also Fathead Newman was in the band. <laughs> Christian McBride. Okay. Uh, Don Byron. Craig Handy. Uh, we had a few good musicians in the band. Oh, yeah. Heavyweights. Yeah. Heavyweights. All heavyweights. Yes. Okay. And we needed a piano player. Uh-huh. And, uh, man, everyone in New York wasn't available. It was about 19 years ago. Everyone was working. Uh-huh. I call up the friend of mine, the producer, and I say, man, I'm stuck. I said, uh. Man, every cat in New York is working. I can't get anyone for this tour. And the guy just says to me, Hal Wilner, this great producer, says, well, have you tried Henry Butler? Like as if it was the most (laughs) obvious thing in the world. Now, Henry was living in New Orleans, Uh you know, and and I just said, and I had been calling all the typical New York guys, you know. And I said, wow, that's an amazing idea. Let me call Henry Butler. Uh Called up Henry. He ends up on the tour, was an incredible band pianist, you know, because uh-huh. it's almost, you know, in a band like, it was a mini big band, like a Kansas City style big band, right? Right, right. And Henry's adding all this incredible stuff, and we knew 
that one day we'd do something again. Uh-huh. And now, fast forward to about four years ago, 16 years later, I'm doing a concert of early blues music with the Millennial Territory Orchestra. The producer says, hey, uh, Henry Butler lives in Brooklyn. Would you like to have him as part of this concert? Uh-huh. I'm like, yeah, Henry Butler. Let's absolutely call him Henry. Man, I haven't talked to you in so long. Welcome to New York, blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. We do this concert. It's incredible because I have a thing with a big band well, it's a small big band. It's a nine-piece band, but uh-huh. it's not a combo. You know what I'm saying? There's, right. there's sections uh-huh. where I wave people out. I move things. You know, we we very free. Uh-huh. And I'm just pulling people out, letting Henry do his thing, bringing people back on. We're like following him everywhere. He realizes, man, this is something special. Uh-huh. Calls me up later and says, you know, we should do a concert. We should do something together. But me, just me, because we had extra singers. He said, just me and your band, and I like to do some of my music. I said, well, that sounds great, Henry. We book a, a week at this Jazz Standard, go to his house. I learn a bunch of his songs, including Dixie Walker, which we, we just heard. I write a bunch of new arrangements. First night, it's unbelievable, man. You can feel it. Uh-huh. It's this guy, guy, Josh Foggenbaum, in the house. He says, man, he has a record label with uh, Alan Toussaint um, and called, I want to say it's called Nola Records, but Small label. They're not mm-hmm. really putting out many records now, but they did. Nine O records. Yeah, Thank N-Y-N-O you. Nine O for yeah, New York, New, New Orleans. That's yeah, it. Nine O right, uh-huh. records. Right. He says, "Man, I've been waiting. Al and I have been waiting to record." Henry goes, "This is the project." Uh-huh. He says to me, "You know, we need a New Orleans rhythm section for this." I said, "Man, first I was like, man, who's this guy telling me what I need?" <laughs> and Henry says, and "Now the interesting thing is, Henry says the same thing to me. He goes, you know, we got to record this with an all-star rhythm section." Now, when Henry said it, that's a little different than some uh-huh. a producer. But and then, of course, we get in there with Herlin Riley and Reginald Veal. I'm uh-huh. like, "Oh, holy cow. I see what you mean." <laughs> you know, because it just c- creates a whole other thing than doing it with a New York rhythm section, uh-huh. because you know, it's a, such a different a new york feeling and a new orleans feeling is so different anyway we made this record and it's been a a great really super success and uh, for me it's been great it's really uh opened up other places for me to play that i never had done as a a band leader we've done like things like the nice jazz festival the curacao jazz festival we uh the playboy jazz festival you know kind of very Uh main yeah i've always been considered more of an Uh avant-garde even though i'm not even though i'm just who i am but Uh they but this has really been a fantastic opportunity because this music is the kind of music that everybody loves. And, of course, I mean, I really feel that Henry is, I mean, like one of the treasures, not in just New Orleans, of the world. Oh, oh absolutely. Absolutely. And Brooklyn is lucky to have him. That's oh, a New Orleans uh, loss and uh, Brooklyn's uh, gain. So, absolutely. Uh, quickly, uh, quickly run down the musicians on the CD. We'll play another song, and we'll come back and talk some more about the CD, please. Okay, so... Uh, it. The, the core of this is my band, Millennial Territory. Right, uh-huh. which I've had for almost, I guess, close to 20. Oh, man. I don't know. Started uh-huh. in 1999. You do the math. Um, so it's um, on violin. It's Charlie Burnham. Uh-huh. Now, these are all guys like Charlie's, you know, played with uh, you know, Blood Omer and Cassandra's band. And, you know, always Curtis Folks, who, you know, played with the Lounge Lizards and Frizzell. And so something people come from another world, you yeah, know? Right. Henry right. Threadgill. Peter Applebaum, who, you know, worked with Don Cherry for so long, had the Hieroglyphics Ensemble. He's uh, Curtis Folks on trombone, Peter Applebaum on tenor and, and soprano sax. Doug Weaselman, who's, uh, you know, worked with the Lounge Lizards and, and Lou Reed and a lot of uh, rock stuff, but playing incredible clarinet. 
an E flat clarinet, <laughs> as well as uh, which you know is a, the little clarinet that they used to use in uh, man. I think at the I don't know if it's Alphonse Pucot, but one of those original brass bands was always using the. Um, Maybe it's John Casimir oh, played the little E flat clarinet. You're getting into territory. I'm okay, <laughs> well, one you of these, lost me a couple of minutes ago. <laughs> one of those guys, so one of these listeners will know who played the E flat clarinet and led and led one of those bands. Oh, on, yeah. on, you know, one of those early bands. Uh, Eric Lawrence, who's uh, in, here with me right now uh, in town, doing this uh, private concert from we were partners in the Levon Helm Band on baritone and soprano. Matt Munisteri on guitar, and. Um, and then New, uh, New Orleans' own uh, the inc- absolutely incredible rhythm team of, of Herlin Riley and Reginald Veal. I mean, <laughs> uh-huh. what can you say? And, yeah, really. And also Michael Blake, uh, Peter Applebaum couldn't make both the record dates. So Michael Blake, who's uh, my partner from the Lounge Lizards, plays tenor on a cup, on half the date. Fantastic. Uh, let's listen to a song, another song off the CD, and we'll come back and talk some more about it. I'm- Now, as we were talking earlier, this song—it's—it's um, it's, a—it's uh, um, a lot of trad jazz covers, but it's not a trad jazz CD. Explain the concept behind the whole well, idea, the whole CD, please. It's, I wouldn't really quite call it trad jazz as much as I would call it music, jazz music from, you know, the early early twentieth century. Right. You know, the idea was when, especially our first concert, was to basically play music that went from eighteen ninety to mid-30s. Uh-huh, okay. So the piece we just heard is a Fats Waller piece. Uh-huh, okay. Now, of course, you have, within this Fats Waller piece, there's arrangement, there's a, you can hear influences from Sun Ra to Fela, Sly, obviously, Herlin, you know, that, whatever. And, and let me interrupt, you did all the arrangements. I did all the arrangements, okay. correct. So, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, no, that's okay. Go ahead. As long as it's praising me, you can interrupt as much as you like. <laughs> you know, that beat that Herlin plays on there is like so funkified, New Orleans, I don't even know what he played. And it was funny because he hadn't played it like that till that take. And suddenly, man, he's bent over. It was almost like the way Levon Helm would bend over, man. And I said, man, when he bent over like that, man, something's about to happen. Uh-huh. And he played this beat. And yeah, and and that really just gave the take this. It just the take just exploded, and uh, yeah. So that you'll hear. So this music, you know, we we do Jelly Roll, uh-huh. we do Bessie Smith, uh-huh. we do Fats Waller, we do um, we do um, I Go, um, you know, and then we do some of Henry's compositions. So I think the idea is really just celebrating and and and, and re revisiting a lot of music that I think a lot of that this music. When you're especially talking about some of this Jelly Roll stuff, and even that Fats Waller piece, people tend to play it in a certain set way. Uh-huh. And then they'll, and but the idea is you can take any kind of music you want and do whatever you need with it. And I think, uh, especially something like Jelly Roll, which I've been thinking about for a really long time, there's uh, so much uh, compositional meat there to, oh, yeah. to, to, to chew upon. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like when we do, what I, th- what I would like to play it when, before, as we leave, is, uh, is, is King Porter Stomp. And, uh, you know we do um no well, yeah we do King Porter Stomp or Wolverine Blues one but both of those we play all the strains or many like like many people when they play King Porter Stomp don't don't play all the strains and in fact of course the big hit the big Benny Goodman hit was just that they 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 laid out the the second strain which is the kind of a ragtime strain and um Count Basie he just played the final strain when he did it uh-huh. you know because they just would riff on it you know. And uh, but I really say that I'm going to treat these. The, I'm going to treat these pieces as compositions, 
but the way I would with anybody, which is like, let me get in there, let me take it apart, and see what see what we can do with it. Uh huh. And also, you know, when talking about the concept here, well, you know, just the even the sound of the ensemble, like you know, we have a violin. Well, the earliest New Orleans music had violins in it, right? You know, which is a part of the, the we people say trad jazz. Well, that was part of the tradition. Sure. And. People don't tend not to use saxophones in trad jazz, but you have plenty of saxophone players in New Orleans in the 20s. And oh, yeah. I, mean, I wasn't alive, but when I, you hear little records and you read about it, they, those guys, uh, Sam Morgan and whatnot, you know, Peter Bocage, of course, was playing violin, you know, as well as trumpet on those old and back in those days. And uh, Buddy Bolden's band had a, had a violin player. And then also, you know, we use the E-flat clarinet, which I was speaking about before, which right, was right. something that goes back to the earliest bands here. And I play the alto horn. Uh-huh. And so the alto horn is a, a marching instrument that you hear in the early brass bands. Uh-huh. So even just the very fact that we're pulling these kind of arcane instruments, but not playing in arcane style. No, no. We're just using the sounds. Oh, sure. And uh, so th- there's a lot of things going into it. And then, of course, Henry Butler is such a... Uh, repository of history, and unlike me, he actually remembers dates. So we're talking about peace. He goes, well, actually, Stephen, I think it's 1895. I'm like, well, I'm not arguing with you, Henry. I don't even know my, I don't even know my phone number, so I'm sure you're right. So, so the, uh, are you talking to uh, Stephen uh, Bernstein, and um, he and Henry Putler uh, just put out a, a, a great CD called uh, Viper's Drag. On Impulse Records. On Impulse Records, yes. Baby. And it's about, <laughs> it's about maybe roughly half uh, New York musicians, roughly half New Orleans musicians. Um, uh, well, that's a rough way to well, put it. Well, but, well, yeah, I'd say, uh, it, it's, it, I'd say it's a third, two-thirds New York and one-third but New I just Orleans. To, but but the, the point I'm coming to is uh, please compare and contrast uh, New York uh, rhythm sections and grooves and New Orleans rhythm sections and grooves. Well, I mean, I can't, I'm not, you know, I'm not really a person to, I can only give you my impressions of New Orleans That's rhythm sections. Uh-huh, yeah. But, you know, in New York, for instance, especially guys my generation, and I'm sure it's the same way here, but but people play, well, I think the real thing about New Orleans is you have this beat, uh-huh. this New Orleans rhythm, uh-huh. which is a very subtle and sophisticated rhythm. Now, many people play an unsubtle and unsophisticated version of it, uh-huh. that, that, but <laughs> the, the, the true masters, when you got, uh-huh. you know, your Herlin Rileys and your Johnny Vidakovich's and, you know, these guys at that level, you know, and um, Ed Blackwell's and whatnot, you know, um, it's a rhythm that basically I kind of feel like if you didn't grow up around it, it's pretty uh-huh. hard to, to really play it because it's a very specific rhythm and it requires a different kind of technique. Like uh-huh. our drummer who plays off the road, Donald Edwards, is from here. Uh-huh. But even he says like when he first gets to a gig and he hasn't played with us for a while, it's tricky for him because he's uh-huh. been playing straight ahead jazz uh-huh. and just the whole coordination of, of your foot, the, 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 the what the bass drum plays in New Orleans rhythm is so specific. Oh, and Idris, let's not forget Idris Muhammad, who just passed, you know. Uh, right. And of course, when right. you got Smokey Johnson, and I mean, I'm, they're all, there's so many drummers, I just realized I didn't even barely reach the top of it. There but, are so many. Yeah, I'm not going to, so I don't want to, like, stick my foot in my mouth many more than I already have. <laughs> but, you know, it's this very specific rhythm, and you're not going to get a drummer from New York to play it. Yeah. You can get a drummer from New York to play a version of it. Right. Well, that, and, yeah, go ahead. And, and in New York, of course, we do play our living. Mm-hmm more music because 
that of I think you know you end up you could end up working with Cecil Taylor, you could end up working with Lou Reed, you could end up working with Henry Threadgill, you could end up requiring playing music. I think there's a lot more professional opportunities to play different kind of styles in New York, which will, people then develop other techniques. You know, sure, sure. And um, I'm not saying New Orleans drummers don't play that way. I'm right. just saying that in New York, that's actually like your job. You go to the job, and you might be working with Cecil Taylor. You might be working, you know, with Henry Threadgill. You might be working with Lou Reed. You know, you might. So you're going to be required to play a different way. Right. And so right. The, uh, it's just different techniques. Right. But 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 uh, whole books have been written on uh, the New Orleans uh, drumming and rhythms and, oh, and, and tracing the history yeah, back. Stan, to uh, Stan Moore wrote yeah. a really excellent book oh, recently yeah, on yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. But but anyway, now we're getting way off track. Uh, so uh, you're in town. You have I'm a, in town. a I'm private a gig. Private tonight. for the people. For the Tulane has this new. Um, uh, new football field, right? Right. Stadium. I, I don't know. Oh, I guess. So. <laughs> anyway, we're backing up many great artists, uh, uh-huh. including Alan Toussaint and uh, Joan Osborne and whatnot, and, um, William Bell. In fact, I saw Alan last night, and he gave me the greatest compliment. He, he loves this record. He sat in with us at um, Jazz Fest. He said, Stephen, he goes, you really put one on us. High praise. And yeah, and, I was, and praise. I was just saying, you know, as we were sp- speaking about this, like, you know, so much of what I arrange comes from listening to Alan. Uh-huh. You know, uh, Alan's, I mean, I was, I was a huge fan of Alan's music. There's a certain relationship to the music I grew up with, Sly, you know, Tower uh-huh. Power, the Bay Area sound, and the way Alan's early records were. Uh-huh. So I was really gravitated towards that. That was the first New Orleans music I kind of, like, pulled my ear. Sure. First pop, New Orleans pop music, uh-huh. not, you know. And then when I heard Rock of Ages, the stuff he rec- he did with the band, I was like, this is, I got to, this, whatever this is, I need to know because <laughs> this is the greatest horn writing ever. There you and, go. And years later, I end up playing with Levon Helm and, you know, uh, uh, transcribing this stuff. So I'm a, such a huge fan of Allen's and uh, so anyway yeah and then so, I'm playing with Mike Dillon on Saturday night at midnight which, which is open to the public oh that anyone as long as they have what ten dollars in their pocket yeah I think we were not supposed to talk oh, cover not, charges okay. but where, but where, where are you at, where, at the Maple Leaf Maple at, Leaf at midnight okay so Stephen Bernstein with Mike Dillon at the Maple Leaf tomorrow night at midnight that's right that's going to be a lot of well, fun that's going to be a party and a half alright so uh, we're, I know you got to get to a rehearsal so let's, let's go out with one more song tell us about what we're going to hear please Let you know what let's just because I think it's it, it, it's such a classic piece, I like to do King Porter Stomp. This is one of the uh, pieces as an arranger has been arranged so many times, and I think we got a good version of it. I'm quite proud of the arrangement. Pardon, pardon and, my ignorance. Who wrote that? Uh, the guy's name is Jelly Roll Morton. Uh, heard of him. Yeah, All right. Heard of him. <laughs> All right. Sir, thank you so much for stopping thank by. Thank you, Mr. Blackmold. Pleasure talking to I'm you. An honor to be at WWOZ. Uh, I hope you're back many more times. Me too. Stephen Bernstein and uh, he and uh, Henry Butler's uh, new CD, Viper's Drag, on Impulse Records. On Impulse Records, baby. Buy it now. Right here on WWOZ-FM, New Orleans. Thanks for listening.